Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Opera After Dark. you can tell from that musical interlude that we are completing our Badass Women series. We are. We played a clip by her husband and not her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Elspeth. And I'm Naomi. And as I said, we're talking about Alma Mahler, Mm -hmm. um, wife of Gustav, and as my fiancé says, kind of a bitch. (laughs) He did say that. She, Elspeth said, do you know anything about Alma Mahler? <laughs> he goes, uh, kind of a bitch. <laughs> in a badass way, we'll assume. Uh, let's assume in a badass way. I don't think so. But. All right. Well, shall we just hop to it? Well, yeah, let's go and Naomi, lay it on us. All right. Well, she had an extremely interesting life, mm-hmm. I think. So her full name ended up being Alma Maria Mahler Gropius Verfel. Ooh. But she was born Alma Maria Schindler. That sounds nicer. <laughs> <laughs> 1879 was when she was born. She lived until 1964, so well into the 20th century, well wow. into the era of photography, recording, mm-hmm. and lots of other stuff, technology. Um, also, she's just generally a big name in New York City history, especially in the realm of the arts, because she was ended up being a huge patron of the arts in and around New York City. Wow. So there's lots of people that are, you know, still around today that would have had come in contact with her at some point because wow. she was a big patron and that sort of thing. Do you I know, feel like this is the most recent person that we've talked about. Right. I think so. Do you know offhand what Gustav's dates are? Like what when he died? Did she outlive him by very much? Oh, you're just putting uh, people she, on the She spot. did because she was something like 19 years his junior. Yeah, I was going to say, because I thought he was very much, like, I always think of him as a, you know, end of romantic composer. Yeah, like a late romantic. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he is a kind of a late romantic uh, placed in that period, and he was 19 years her senior, indeed. Okay. So she was much younger. He he died her. in uh, 1911. Oh, born, born wow. Born in 1860. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So she lived what 50 years after he died. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. she was not very nice to him. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> Did she kill him? She did not. That would be such a good story. But it's not true. (laughs) It was the syphilis. We should. No, no. No. By that point, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, okay. That killed people. Okay, so interesting thing about her um, to kind of start off with when she met Mahler, she was actually. Uh, fairly compositionally inclined herself. So she really? was kind of an amateur composer and was working on her own music. And she was already kind of well-known in society a little bit by that point. And so Mahler believed, or at least we think that Mahler believed, 
that it was not really like a respectable occupation for a woman to be a composer. And so the, the story is that he kind of stifled her artistic sensibilities and this caused problems for them because she felt obviously repressed in various ways. And so she actually gave up composing when she met him and kind of adopted the role of the dutiful wife that is, you know, propagating the works of of her husband and that sort of thing. Sad. So didn't they learn anything from Robert and Clara? Obviously not. I guess not. Didn't well, fun fact, when they got married and she was twenty two, she was already pregnant. So it might have been oh. a little ah. bit of a shotgun wedding situation. Yes. Do we know any of her music now? Like are there is there any record or not like her music is not super popular. I wouldn't say it's a mainstay of the yeah. repertoire at this no. point. So, but also, and we, I'm just jumping all over the place. We go we're, for we're it. We're a little bit drunk already. Um, <laughs> as we should. Be. As we should be when we're talking about this woman who's kind of anti-Semitic. Um, oh, she was. Oh, totes. Yeah. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, but like all of her her letters and her communications and all correspondence with Mahler, she basically burned everything because she didn't want people to see it later and realize what a horrific person she was. Whoa, oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so there are all these historic documents that are gone because after he died, she was like, I got to get rid of this shit. <laughs> I want people to like me. Right, and when she died, um, I think uh, I heard that at her funeral, she... In, she had insisted in her will that no music by Mahler would be played. Whoa! Wow. So I was like, they had a they had a bad marriage. She Tumultuous. Wants to a, she wants to be her own person. That and you know the other stuff. Which is funny because <laughs> the only reason we're talking about her right now is because of her husband. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> we were of. looking for women that had some kind of role in music history, and That's she true. certainly did. Okay. So fair enough. All right, so let's talk a little bit about her. She came from a family and in an era where she, her whole family and kind of all of her social connections were very strongly associated with the Vienna Secession. And so uh, people like Gustav Klimt, also a Max Bruckhardt and Alexander von Zemlimsky, uh, she had romantic affiliations with them. So apparently she was pretty really? flirtatious in her youth hmm. and the rest of her life basically well i mean we'll put pictures of her up on the the website but i mean she was beautiful she was gorgeous beautiful. oh my goodness there's this beautiful photo of her with like this gigantic hat mm -hmm. and her hair is all done and she has like feathers and boas like she's really beautiful mm -hmm. so she was you know part of society even though her family that she came from was actually considered like middle class they weren't super financially successful but they were obviously plugged in to cultural trends at the time. Mm. And so she became known as a fairly flirtatious woman. And in 1902, she married Mahler. He was 19 years older than her. And with Mahler, she had two daughters. And at that time, I believe one of her daughters uh, ended up getting really sick and ended up dying. And so uh, she became very depressed about this. Um, but she was also, at the same time, kind of still plugged into society, that sort of thing. So a random fact. Sorry, I'm not really going in a yeah, super I, straight line here. I, that's I'm all right. For it. But yeah. 
She started regularly attending the salons of Adele Block Bauer. If you're familiar with the woman in mm. gold, the portrait mm-hmm. by Gustav Klimt. The portrait I is of the, Adele Block Bauer. I saw the movie. Yeah, yeah, the movie was amazing. Basically an expert. I didn't see the movie. <gasps> if oh, you want to go see like it, it in person, you can go to the museum on the Upper East Side. Oh, the, the yeah, the, oh gosh. Uh, the Neue Galleria. The Neue, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, so yes. you can go see it there. Right, and so this was a person that she knew in society and became associated with her. Once she married Mahler, they, you know, kind of came into contact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and she. So this is they're obviously still in Vienna. They're still in Vienna at this point in time. So after the death of her daughter Maria, she becomes super depressed, and Mahler basically sends her to a spa for some like respite, right, and to try and help her cope with this. While she's at the spa, she comes into contact with the architect, Walter Gropius, uh, <laughs> head of the Bauhaus movement. What a great name. Right? Yes, I am one Mr. Gropius. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> I'm totally safe to be around. Totally. Right? totally safe. Well, they begin this incredibly kind of amorous affair. Apparently... She, Alma, like consulted Sigmund Freud about her attraction to Walter Gropius. So this just shows you like the circles and mm-hmm. how trendily plugged That's in she weird. was. Um, why was he like a father-like figure? Is that why she needed to consult I Freud? I think I really they were know. probably in the same social circles and he had a reputation. So yeah. Like, and I'm going to go talk to Freud about this. And you know? Mahler found out about the affair, which caused huge... Uh, arguments in their relationship and so Reasonable. I think they were seeking Sigmund Freud's help I don't know well, I mean also their relationship <laughs> sounds so bizarre well yeah but I mean their relationship was terrible when he yes. basically told her you know I know you like writing music but I don't want you to do that your job is to support me because I'm right. the composer and there's this quote um later in life when they were still married before he died and she said I sit down at the piano dying to play but musical notation no longer means anything to me my eyes have forgotten how to read it <sighs> I've become firmly taken by the arm and led away from myself and I long to return to where I was that breaks my heart right mm. that's so so sad how yeah. terrible I mean they were so, only married for like nine years I guess so, but a pretty, yeah, because he died in 1911, so. Yeah, it was a bad nine years. Jeez. <laughs> they should not have gotten married in the he first did place. Some damage. Apparently, like later on in their marriage, somebody, maybe it was Freud, I'm not really sure, suggested to Mahler that he should maybe show some support for his mm-hmm. wife's artistic sensibilities. And so he kind of took a turn later in life, or later in their marriage, and started to encourage her. And then at that point, he died. Well, <laughs> before he died, he encouraged her to put some of her publications into print. And so there is actually a collection of things mm. that were published by her shortly before his death, I think in 1910, by Gustav's publisher. Um, but obviously it still wasn't enough to like make up for several years of, you know repression and bad marriage yeah. can so, we play uh, like if if we can find one of her clips can we play something yeah. right now yeah let's let's listen to something by uh alma mahler mm-hmm. 
that is really nice. She was very talented. That okay. So we've discovered that her complete songs are on YouTube. So right, we'll there are only about fourteen of them. But after he died, she didn't start writing again. No. She Odd. had other things to divert her attention towards. Why don't we we sh- we'll link to we'll some link of to those her complete songs, songs mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. so everybody can get a little so taste. How long did the affair last with Mr. Gropius? I don't think it lasted. <laughs> it sounds made up. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you heard of him? He's the like a really famous art- architect in the Bauhaus movement. Really? Nice. Yeah, he's I'm, a big deal. I'm so. not a very big architecture buff. I appreciate good architecture, okay. but I am not knowledgeable in that realm. Okay, well, basically, I don't think the affair lasted that long. And to kind of put a stop to all of this, Gustav, like, swept her off to New York because he had all these engagements mm. here in New York City. And so he, they ended up moving to New York, and that kind of put a stop to, like, what was going on with her and Gropius. So <laughs> That'll do it. Yes. I know. We'll go to New York. Nobody has affairs in New York. <laughs> right? So I feel like um, at this day and age... A woman um, stopping her career to become a wife and mother is sort of a, co- a more common thing. But back then, when you think about it, um, like this was just feminism even wasn't even a thing, and she would mm-hmm. be the only woman out there doing this kind of thing. And it was so important to have that taken away from her, especially given if you think about around the time that she married Mahler, like Sigmund Freud had been publishing all of this stuff from basically like the late 1890s into the early 1900s, all about like women and sexuality and hysteria mm-hmm. and like all kinds of things about women being a, an inferior gender, mm-hmm. right? So if anything, like all the men around her are putting down the female gender and she's like showing them up by all the stuff that she can do yeah. and they're just, you know, squashing that. So. so it's just, it's sad to think about all the amazing things she could have done mm-hmm. if she had had a slightly more supportive family circle. For sure. Um, that being said, I mean, she was not without her faults. She was right. not a, a nice person. Are we going to dig into that? <laughs> I, we can dig into it. Not, is it not time a for A little that? bit. Um, okay, Anna, so... You want to talk about some other stuff? Yeah, so okay. she... Mahler dies in 1911. Um, he had in a, New York? No, well, he had a heart defect of some kind, um, um, a heart condition, and so it had been diagnosed for several years, but they were in New York, and it started to get really bad, so they ended up returning to Vienna, and I believe hmm. that he died after they returned to Vienna. And then the story goes that uh, when she returned to Vienna and Mahler dies in 1911, she doesn't immediately contact Volta Gropius. So instead, she starts up this affair with somebody else, uh, the artist that many of you may know, Oscar Kokoschka. Huh. And so, I don't know him. Uh, you oh, should really? Google some of his works. They're pretty crazy. He's pretty well known. Um, I mean, it's not like I know a lot, but I'm certainly I'm familiar. He's a pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm up to date with the life and times of Kokoschka. He's, he's it's pretty well known. Like, uh, oh well, to be, to be fair, I don't know if no. it's. I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> I used to think it was Kokoschka, yeah. but then someone corrected me very vehemently saying it was Kokoschka. Oh, you should go with that person if they're going to be so vehement. Well, 
Okay. Because so. <laughs> everybody knows if, if you're just really vehement about right, something, right. If you really you're aggressively correct. make your yep. point, that mm-hmm. means you probably right. know what you're talking about. Right. So I'm just going to go with Kokoshka. Um, Wait, that was you said that was before or after he died? After he died, okay. she meets him. He's fairly well-known artist in like the modernist movement at this time. Mm-hmm. And so she meets him somewhere around 1912, and then uh, they say that the affair lasted for about two years into mm-hmm. around 1914. And uh, apparently he was just like kind of an eccentric type. One would kind of assume that given he was really into like modernist art at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And he was super possessive of her and very emotional and he had a really hard time dealing with her independence, I think. This is my own pondering. And so she ends up leaving him around 1914 because she just gets tired of his possessive nature. What's everybody's deal? I guess it's like a societal thing. We always Okay, well this we guy like this, this guy took it way too far, okay? Because she broke up with him. And, like, nowadays, if, like, a girl breaks up with you, like, mm-hmm. if you have a car, like, you get in your car and you listen to, like, sad breakup music, you drive around and then, like, you get over it, right? I didn't know where you were going to go with that. <laughs> you have a car, you get in your car, you drive to her place, you wait for her. No! <laughs> no, I feel like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you have, like, your I'm moment you. of, mm-hmm. like, emo emotionalness mm-hmm. and then, and then, like, life moves on, Right. Apparently, this does not happen for Kokoschka. He decides that he is going to have a life-size doll made of her. Oh, God. And in order to kind of be a cathartic part of his grieving of the the end of this relationship, okay? Oh, it gets worse. And so he does this, and... Then by 1915, do you have a picture of it? Oh yeah, like oh no, it is no. super disturbing. Okay, <laughs> but it gets worse because she gets in this relationship. She s- starts the relationship up again with Walter Gropius around 1915, and she actually mm-hmm. marries him. Mm-hmm. And Kokoschka took this super hard, mm-hmm. really really hard. He contacts this doll maker in Munich, and his idea is that it's going to be this like perfect replication of her okay don't ask me how he thinks this given technologies of the time but he really believes that the doll is going to be this perfect replication of her and then when he gets the doll okay when it like when it's shipped to his apartment or his house he's actually super disturbed because the doll is like covered in this like weird feathery texture and if you look at pictures of it which do exist it, it looks like half bird, half woman. Okay. <laughs> like it's, Can I see it? Yeah, it's right here. It's uh, really bad. Okay, we'll put this on the blog. <gasps> Offeraftardark.com. Yeah, and, and he was actually really upset that the doll was so unlike what he was hoping. Right? <laughs> what did he think this was? I oh, don't know. Oh, man. But they didn't what have, is that oh. supposed to be? Wow. I think the doll maker failed him. Like. <laughs> That's crazy. It's gross. But, well, I feel like I'm, I'm sorry, I just have to say it. I feel like I'm looking at, like, an old-timey sex doll. Well, that was the purpose of it, I'm assuming. Yeah, Okay, wow. here's an even an even better picture. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. It is so and do you know feathery why, looking. Do you know you why these, see it. Do you know why these pictures exist? Because he became obsessed with artistic depictions of the doll. <sighs> okay? So he had, like, photographs taken of it. He painted portraits of the doll. Oh my so, gosh. 
And he would like display these portraits for his friends. He would actually bring the doll to parties with him. And Alma was so incensed. She was like, you've got to cut this out. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, like, no shit. I'm embarrassed. And he just wouldn't let up. And he would bring it around with him to parties and such. That's and, nuts. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And it got to the point where then eventually... I kind of reminds me of like Lars and the Real Girl. Have you seen that movie? I haven't, but no. I want to. It's really good. But in What's there that? comes a point where Kokoshka, Kokoshka, basically Kokoshka. wants to like Kokoshka. Kokoshka wants to artistically separate himself from this doll. And so like professionally so has, we need space. He has a ritual right. of beheading. Uh, he literally doll. beheaded it in oh, like you're kidding. Oh, yes. beheaded it or something like that. Oh. I don't know if the fire is real, but I definitely remember it being beheaded. I feel I like we should have ended it. with this part. I literally <laughs> thought about, like, what's the craziest shit <laughs> you would do with this doll? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wait, but so you said, this is, you this said is, orgiastic? That's how a lot of the accounts, that's all I know. That's how a lot of the accounts write about it. Oh, wow. So it actually, like, there were sexual things happening Oh, I'll read you exactly what he said. Okay. okay. Yeah, please. Right. He said, Finally, after I had drawn it and painted it over and over again, I decided to do away with it. It had managed to cure me completely of my passion. So I gave a big champagne party with chamber music, during which my maid, Hulda, exhibited the doll in all its beautiful clothes for the last time. When, drawn, or when dawn broke, I was quite drunk, as everyone else was, I beheaded it out in the garden and broke a bottle of red wine over its head. Wow. Can you imagine Good for being you, a dude. musician coming to that gig? <laughs> getting contracted <laughs> for that gig. You show up. Life like, of a freelancer. Like, what the fuck? That's crazy. Where did he write this that people know about it? Is it in his, 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 his memoirs? memoirs? God. <laughs> Why do all the crazy people have to have memoirs? Everybody, well, there wasn't TV, so everybody wrote in diaries instead. I'm not sure exactly Jeez. where that quote is from, but it's like it's in a yeah, uh-huh. news article that's basically talking all about this story. Um, do we, are the like, news article was called Remembering Alma, the Alma Mahler Doll in All Its Creepiness. Wow, <laughs> nice. That's accurate. Yeah. Are there still, like, if you go to museums, do you see paintings or or anything of this? I'm pretty sure that you can find them of it. Maybe doll? Ugh. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't... Yeah, like, there's some here of the sketches of it and oh, her. Man. Yeah, and, uh, this, this all needs to go on the block. This is, there's this photo of, like, him sending some kind of... Uh, letter with instructions to the doll maker of the, like proportions oh, and everything like that. <laughs> um, and the doll maker apparently. I'm so inclined to take it too far. <laughs> the doll, mar- the doll maker, par- or Kokoshka wrote to the doll maker this description: the outer shell is a polar bear pelt suitable for a shaggy imitation beside. Bedside rug rather than a soft and pliable skin of a woman. He's complaining that mm-hmm. the doll did not turn out 
as oh, he wanted. I was okay? going to say, with that description, how is he upset with it being right, all feathery? Yeah. No, that no, no. Exactly no, this like, is, he's like okay. really upset about how horrible the doll turned out. Yeah, yeah. So the outer shell is a polar bear pelt suitable for a shaggy imitation bedside rug rather than the soft and pliable skin of a woman. The result is that I cannot even dress the doll, which you knew was my intention, let alone array her in delicate and precious robes. Even oh, attempting man. to pull on one stocking would be like asking a French dancing master to waltz with a polar bear. Jeez. I can't so, believe you wanted to dress this doll and all I, I'm not sure if I believe that he really wanted it for the cathartic reasons or if he just wanted to embarrass her. Ah. Because he was going to like bring oh, it around you don't to parties. Think he and he wanted to have sex with it. Well, I don't know. I like we don't really know what its it. parts were, but. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Don't know. All, I mean, you can't tell. I'm, okay. All I'm seeing in these pictures are just the the naked versions, which seems pretty sexual. But I guess maybe that's not the case. I guess we'll never know since it was destroyed. And like also like covered in feathers, like oh gross. Ugh. Yeah. That's... It looks like. A half bird, half woman. Yeah, it's pretty unseemly. It's like a really bad <laughs> costume for Papagena. Like, so this. Oh, like a naughty Papagena. <laughs> oh god. I'm sorry. So this happened <laughs> as she was married to Gropius, or before, after. Before, uh, right? Gropius. Oh, Gropius. Uh, Gropius, I need you to go uh, talk to this dude. Uh, well, I don't think it got destroyed until 1919, which means it was around when she was with Gropius. Wow. Because she married him around 1915, I Come think. On, Gropius. So. Defend, defend your lady. She can take care of her own shit. Okay, fine. Okay, so what did she do? What did she do to take care of the... Well, I don't I think, think she had to do anything. It. She just complained about it, and eventually he destroyed it at the party. That's true. Beheaded it. Yeah. So. so then, so what, what next in the life and times of... Well, Wait, did she? So did she change? Did she include Gropius in her name? Right. Well, her yes. full name ah, by the time right. she dies was Alma Maria Mahler Gropius Verfel. So she. Oh, so there's a Verfel. There's a Verfel. And she keeps the other names. You don't get rid of the Mahler or the Gropius. Well, they were really well-known men. Mm -hmm. So even if she had some tumultuous history with them, maybe it was huh. to her benefit not to drop. And I guess if they name. died, did did Gropius die while she was married to him? Uh, yes. Okay. I believe so. Well, that's a it's little bit like they more. got divorced or whatever. Oh, no, no. You're right. They got divorced. Did they get divorced? Yeah. Oh, okay. that's My weird bad. then that she um, kept the Gropius. I don't yeah. know. Especially because it's They divorced name. around 1920, but she had had a couple children with him, and I think one of her children uh, died rather young again, so this uh, was also quite difficult for her. Mm -hmm. um, and they did have a daughter named Manon Gropius, and Very operatic. Uh, she died of polio oh. at the age of 18, which is really sad. And Albin Berg wrote a piece in memory of her. So, wow. you know, again, like the whole family is very connected with all of the important people mm. of this time period. I feel like we have to touch on the bad stuff for just like a second. Oh, yeah. yeah she I mean, mean, she was a pretty unrepentant, like, anti Semite. Like really, really vocally about it. She she said a lot of stuff about how much she preferred Aryans and how she mm. was so disappointed in Jews. Even though she married two of them, Mahler was a Jew, mm -hmm. and her last husband was it Verfel? Franz Verfel, yeah, was also a Jew. Yeah. Wow. Um, Do you think this was like Third Reich? 
influenced or well um by the time the second world war rolled around she was in california Mm -hmm. Mm. um but um she had been known to remark that the nazis had done a great many praiseworthy things (gasps) and she did say that concentration camps were fabrications put out by the refugees um she was also a pretty um like bad drunk (laughs) On top of all of that other stuff. It's just crazy because, like, she actually had to flee Austria with Franz Werfel, her third husband, because he was Jewish and he was going to, like, they were in trouble. And so, yeah, that's like part of why she ended up fleeing to the US because maybe she resented him. But they ended up in California and there were a lot of um, Germans in that area at that time. Mm. So maybe she found an enclave. I don't know, man. That's messed up. It is. How did she get along then? Like, I feel like being involved, because so she was very involved in the New York art scene. Not until later. Well, she saw it as her mission in life when she stopped composing to sort of take talented men and sort of domineer them and take their talents and make them great men. Greater, you know. That was like her thing. I mean, she's a a piece of work. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying that, like, the New New York art scene is so. I don't like it's hand in hand with the Jewish population I feel like in a very great way so I don't I don't know how she could get along if she was such an anti-semite maybe she yeah. my feeling is that she kept it suppressed until like her true feelings about this were probably suppressed until after Franz Werfel died huh right because he died around 1945 and at that then soon after that she moved and they were already in California because they had this like very elaborate fleeing from the yeah, U.S. Like 1941. From, yeah, from Austria. From Austria, from they Austria. had to. They first went to France, and then from France, they tried to get exit visas. They couldn't get exit visas, and so hmm. um, they like traveled on foot for part of the time into the Pyrenees, mm-hmm. and like eventually they make their way to California. But it was quite a tumultuous journey because they were like doing this kind of secretly, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. the rumor was that when she and Mahler got married, Mahler was really, really into her, and she was not really in love with Mahler, but she was really enamored of his abilities mm. as a composer. Hmm. Maybe she's, like, really enamored of Garopius for his, like, design yeah. abilities and things huh. like that. So but she appreciates ability more than, like, the people. Like, the actual themselves. person. Yes. But fun fact, in 1933, when she was married... Um, to Franz, she also was having a love affair with a Catholic priest. Ew. Whoa. Where was that at? Was that still in Austria? That was still in Austria. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even though Mahler was Jewish, he did convert to Catholicism. He did, yes. Oh, for her? For her, I yeah, think. But his, yeah, but he was still a Jew. Yeah. Well, yeah He'll never like not be a whole, Jew to her, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so she's, they finally make it, her and Franz Werfel, to California, where they live for a little while. He dies in 1945, Mm -hmm. and then shortly after that, she moves to New York City, where she becomes this, like, super integrated cultural figure in the New York art scene. Mm -hmm. She was uh, friends with Leonard Bernstein, or at least knew him, and Bernstein considered her to be the living link between both Mahler and Alvin Berg because she knew both men, right? Hmm. And so, yeah. I do think, like, when you hear her dates, so she was alive when 
you know, Verdi was finishing his career. Uh-huh. And then she, when she died, that was like, like our parents were living yeah. in that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that's crazy. That's like an incredible, in the operatic world, that's an incredible connection, you know, to span uh-huh. the careers of all of those different composers that are like the elite composers between Verdi, Wagner, Puccini, and then into the, the 20th century and all of those people. Well, sure. she's, a, she's a famous person in music history. Don't musicologists call it the Alma problem? Because she did this um, the thing where she burned all of the letters mm-hmm. to make herself look better. Mm-hmm. Um, and they call it you know the Alma problem because they don't know what Mahler wanted for certain things. Like she would uh, send letters to conductors being like, you have to switch the movements for like, the Sixth Symphony, because this is the way he wanted it. But, like, nobody knows that. This is just stuff that she's making up, so. Wow. Yeah. Man, so lasting impression. So what were the, like, you touched on this philanthropy that she was involved with in New York. Do we? Do you have any specific examples? I don't know if I would say it's philanthropy, but it just seemed like she was integrated in the art scene. Mm-hmm. And because oh. of her connection with Mahler... And she was viewed for a while as, like, the authority in what Mahler wanted because she was his uh, wife for a certain period of time. Right, so, so they're like, she she would know. Yeah. You know? So she, and there's no proof either way because she yeah. set all that stuff on fire. But um, she was really into hosting salons with mm-hmm. artists and musicians and all these other kind of people because her father mm-hmm. was an artist, so when she was growing up, that was what the family did, and that was one of her favorite things. Right. And so now people look back on, at the time, like in the kind of early 1900s and into the mid-1900s when she was in New York, she was seen as this authority. But then now kind of retrospectively, when people Mm -hmm. compare her accounts versus other evidence that has survived, the view is that, well, everything that she kind of said, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. Or She obviously lied about a lot of stuff. Right. Or she tried to shape history's memory of Mahler in a certain way. Right, and also to make her look much, much better. Because obviously by the time she died, it was pretty clear that, you know, anti-Semitism is not a great thing and the Nazis were not good people. Right. That kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So she's a badass. To, like, serve her own I mean, I think she did a lot to shape music at that time. Mm -hmm. And she herself was an incredible composer. And who knows what she could have gone on to do. But she also was a horrible human being. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. I think it's important to be balanced about it. Like, she she did incredible things and she did some really horrible things. And let's end this episode by reminding everybody that a sex doll existed of this woman that is basically a bird lady. (laughs) Um, And it exists in perpetuity on our blog. It's on the internet. So, yes, if you're listening to this, you can go to operaafterdark.com. You can take a look at it. And you can take a look at the Alma Mahler sex doll. You creepy, creepy (laughs) pervert. And with that, thanks for listening <laughs> to this episode of Opera After Dark. This concludes our badass women. For now. Right, for now. For but now, don't worry. Yeah. We'll be talking about all kinds of super awesome ladies in the exactly. future. In the future so. And in the meantime, we'll look forward to being with you in the coming weeks. And uh, go like us and follow us on all the social media places. Yeah. 
and give us a review wherever you can. I'm so drunk. Be nice. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just relaxed. All right. Well, I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. And I'm drunk. And Kyle. And we'll see you next time. The loveliest girl in Vienna was Alma, the smartest as well. Once you picked her up on your antenna, you'd never be free of her spell. Her lovers were many and varied from the day she began her begin. There were three famous ones whom she married, and God knows how many between. Alma, tell us. All modern women are jealous Which of your magical wands Got you Gustav and Walter and Franz The first one she married was Mahler Whose buddies all knew him as Gustav